Good morning, church family and friends and guests. It's good to be with you. All right, if you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to open it up to the book of 2 Peter in the New Testament, the second of two letters written by the Apostle Peter. We'll get there in just a couple minutes. Uh, we've begun a new series entitled Bible Basics, Common Questions About the Bible. Lots of people have lots of questions when it comes to the Bible, and in this series we're going to be looking at uh, some of those. And I want to say again what the point of all this is. It's not so we can stuff a lot of interesting Bible trivia or facts about the Bible in our heads just to increase our knowledge so that we can impress our friends or we can go on Jeopardy and answer those Bible questions that nobody else seems to know the answer to. That's not the goal. The goal is very personal for each one of us. This is my prayer for me, for all of us, is that it would improve our own personal interaction with the Bible in a way that God will use in our lives. So last week, the first question was, what is the Bible? What exactly is it? And when you let the Bible speak for itself, what it claims is that it is God's message, it's from God, God's message written down for our good. And if that's true then getting to know this book, in getting to know this book, we are getting to know God's message for us, to benefit us. This message that he gave us to give us life and hope and purpose in a relationship with him. And so as a result of that, um, I presented a challenge last week I'm going to elaborate on it a little bit today, but the challenge last week included this one. Uh, bring it. Bring it when you come here and, and gather for worship or wherever you go to gather for worship at any time. Bring it. Um, so if you have an actual book or whether you have an app on your electronic device, whatever, just bring it when we gather. And the other parts of the challenge will read it and study it, and we'll talk more about that as we go on. So if you are here last week, how many of you rose to the challenge and brought it? Okay, all right. And if you forgot, that's okay. We, we strive to be gracious. And if you weren't here and didn't hear the challenge, uh, so bring it. And uh, again, I said last time, too, if, if you're not really familiar with the Bible, well, that's, that's part of the goal is to help you get more familiar. And so if you have to look up 2 Peter in the table of contents, go for it. Don't be embarrassed Ask the person next to you if it looks like they know how to get around in it. Ask them where it is. So, today's question is a natural follow-up to last week's. Today's question is, who wrote it? It sounds very impressive to say that the Bible is God's message written down for our good. But you know when you actually read it? In many places, it sounds like a very human book. So, for instance, throughout the Bible, there are prayers addressed 
to God from people. Like Psalm 5. Psalm 5 begins, A psalm, a song of David, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. So here's David, he's a man, he's praying to God. How is that a message from God? Or take the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs begins like this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And then it says things like this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. That sounds very human. Then you have places where the Bible deals with topics that maybe to us don't seem all that particularly spiritual. You've got a whole book called The Song of Songs, The Song of Solomon. Um, and, you know, it's basically a love song. It's about a husband and wife, frankly, telling each other how hot they are <laughs> and how much they're enjoying each other's company, if you get my drift. <laughs> then you've got things like 2 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The end of the book of Romans, you've got this long list of greetings from the Apostle Paul to people, many of whom we, we know very little or nothing about. Are those parts of a Bible really a message from God? Okay, well then you've got other parts of the Bible that definitely sound like a message from God. So many times, hundreds of times, throughout the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, those guys, they say things like, thus says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Um, the Ten Commandments, that passage starts out like this. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And in the New Testament, it's full of Jesus teaching directly in his own words, saying things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so it's pretty easy to see how words like that are a message from God, but the Bible has this very human side too. So... What are we supposed to make of all this? Who did write the Bible? Did God write it? Or did people write it? And the answer is, yes. <laughs> yes, God wrote it and people wrote it. He wrote it through people. That is the claim. He had people write down what he wanted written. Or, to say it this way, in the Bible... God has spoken in human voices. That's what the Bible claims about itself. And we're going to look at a passage where you can see this very clearly. So this is 2 Peter chapter 1. And Peter is reminding his readers how important God's message is, particularly the central focus of God's message, the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, his son. Basically, all of the Bible finds its center in this, in this message. All of scripture connects one way or another to this central message, connects to Jesus in some way. 
And Peter, writing to these people, he wants them to know, writing to these followers of Jesus, he wants them to know that they can stake their lives on this message and they must stake their lives on this message. So let's pick it up at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For we, meaning we apostles, did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That there, by the way, that contradicts a common idea today that basically the message of Jesus is a cleverly devised myth made up by, you know, guys stroking their beards and smoking pipes and, and you know, years and years and years and years after Jesus lived, they kind of made it all up. Now, that's not what Peter says. Peter says, we did not follow cleverly devised myths, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him. We heard him. We touched him. Now he's about to refer to one of the events in the life of Christ. We call it the transfiguration, where he took Peter, James, and John, so Peter's in this group, up on a mountain, and his heavenly glory was revealed to them. And that's what he's going to talk about here in verse 17. For when he, Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Wow, what a claim. What an experience. He says, we were right there. We saw him and we heard the voice of God say, this is my son. It's amazing. Now look what he says. He says, so we've got this amazing experience, eyewitness testimony, and we have something more sure. There's something even more reliable, more trustworthy, more worthy of you holding on to than our own experience. What is it? We have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Well, why is the prophetic word even more sure than personal experience? Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit so look at that last part men spoke that's the human side from God there's the divine side men spoke from God as his Holy Spirit carried them along. So the message ultimately comes from God, but men spoke it. That's the claim. And that's a consistent claim throughout all of the Bible. Let me just show you a few places. In Acts chapter 4, the very first followers of Jesus are praying, and they say this, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? That's a quote from Psalm 2. 
And so what he's saying is, what David said in Psalm 2 was something God said through David's mouth by the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 28. The Apostle Paul says, The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, and then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6. Look at that. The Holy Spirit said through Isaiah. Mark 7, 9 through 13. It's not on your note sheet, but you might want to mark it down. Mark chapter 7, verses 9 through 13. Jesus says that what Moses said was a commandment of God and the word of God. What Moses said was the commandment of God and the word of God. Hebrews 1, 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by or through the prophets. God spoke through the prophets, by the prophets. So again and again, and we could look at other examples, we are told that God spoke in human voices. So it's important to realize that when, when we say the Bible is God's message written down for our good, that's not meant to imply that everything, that, that God simply dictated the whole thing the way, you know, an executive might dictate a letter to a secretary or something. Now, there are parts that are like that, like the Ten Commandments, for example. God dictated his laws directly to Moses, word for word. But most of the Bible is not like that. Most of the Bible is God speaking through David, God speaking through Isaiah, God speaking through uh, the prophets at many times and in many ways. God spoke his words in their words. Okay? So, as one of my seminary professors was fond of asking, so what? So what? He'd say that right when you were given a sermon. So what? What difference does it make? When you get out a Bible or open your app to read it, to study it, what difference does it make that God spoke in human voices? Well, there's some very practical things that that means, that that implies for us, okay? I want to explain that. What it means is that in order to get the Bible's message right, in order to get it right, you have to remember that every book of the Bible has two authors. It's got a human author and God. Every book of the Bible has two authors. You need to remember that. Why do you need to remember that? Two very practical reasons. Number one, you need to read it that way because you have to read it as the words of man. You have to read it as the words of man or human words. Now, many of you probably do this without even realizing it, but not everybody gets this, so that's why I'm pointing it out. In, other, in order to understand what any book of the Bible, any passage of the Bible means, you have to read it like you read any other book. You have to read it as human literature, written in human language with human grammar and human syntax and human vocabulary, written by a human author in a human culture. Why? Because that's how God had it written down. 
human language, human words, human grammar, human author, human culture. And so we have to read it that way to get it. And what, <laughs> You put it like this. Don't be overly spiritual when you read your Bible. What do I mean by that? Well, see, some people misread the Bible because they act like, because it's the Word of God, the ordinary rules of human language and literature don't apply. And so they think that, yeah, hey, it's the Word of God, I'll just flip it open here, and I'll just grab a verse, and God will use that to just, you know, inspire me and, and give me some profound insight here. Or they'll come across something they don't understand. And then so they'll pray. Lord, help me understand what this means. And what they mean by that is, God, zap the meaning of this passage into my head. Supernaturally, just put, put the meaning there. Speak directly to my mind. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't pray when you read your Bible. Please pray when you read your Bible. Absolutely pray. It is good for us to ask God to help us understand what his word means but the main way he's going to do that is not by zapping the meaning into our heads telepathically if you think about it if that was his aim he wouldn't need to give us a book instead the main way he's going to help us get the meaning is by enabling us to carefully read and study what he inspired the human authors to write down so let's just take it for instance. Say you decide you want to read through the book of Obadiah. We're going to read the prophet, what the prophet Obadiah said. First verse says, Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. And you have absolutely no idea who or what Edom is. Edom. Isn't that a cheese? Isn't there a cheese called Edom? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would God be talking about cheese? Okay, well, by all means, pray, ask God to help you figure it out. But then don't just sit there and wait for the meaning to somehow magically appear in your head. Instead, pursue the answer the way you would pursue it with any other book or piece of literature that you don't understand. Keep reading and see if it's explained somewhere. Or... Get out a dictionary and look it up. Or check some other reference tools. You know, many Bibles have in the back a thing called a concordance. You know what a concordance is? It enables you to, to see all the places or the main places where certain key words are. So you could look up and look up every verse that has the word Edom in it. Or other study tools, and there's lots of them. In other words, make the effort. Make the effort to understand what the human author wrote in human language. See, the fact that it's God's word is, no, is not a reason to be lazy. In fact, that should motivate us to work really hard, to do our very best to study it and understand it. See, sometimes people get disappointed in Bible reading. They'll say, well, you know, I read this, and I, I just don't get much blessing out of it. I don't get much insight out of it. And they feel like, well, why bother? Why bother reading this? I'm just not getting much out of it. 
And yet very often the problem is, is they're not putting much into it. They're not reading it carefully. They're not reading it consistently. They're not, uh, they, they just casually grab in a verse here and a verse there and it doesn't seem to mean very much. Well, of course not. Of course not, because you don't really understand what you're reading. That's not how it works. Can you imagine taking a college-level class and they give you a textbook and that's how you did it? Well, I'm going to grab this paragraph out of chapter 1, and then I think out of chapter 6, I'll grab this paragraph, and then what would happen? You would fail. Flunk. We don't want a flunk Bible. We do not want a flunk Bible. One of the myths about the Bible is that it's just too hard to understand. It's not too hard to understand. There are parts of it that are hard to understand. There are lots of parts that aren't. Many parts aren't that hard to understand. But the parts that are hard to understand can be understood if we'll take the time and put in the effort to understand it. You know, it's like if you were going to mine for gold or diamonds. You're going to have to do some digging. It's going to take some work. So read, oh, and by the way, on your note sheet, if you look, I think it's at the end of that, I've put some tools. There's lots of good tools available. We are rich with Bible study tools available to us these days. Read every book of the Bible as the words of man to understand its meaning. Okay, but that's only part of it. That's not all of it. We have to do more. The other reason you need to remember that every book of the Bible has two authors, you've got to read it as the words of man, and then you have to receive it as the word of God. We read it as the words of man to understand its meaning, what it means, but that's not enough, because remember, the goal is not to simply improve our understanding that's important that's necessary but that's not the end goal the end goal is to hear the voice of god speaking into my life into your life and responding to it in obedience and faith the obedience of faith so once we understand what it means We've got to receive that meaning into our lives and be changed by it. And the only way that happens, the only way that happens is if we receive it as the very word, the very message of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. This is super important. Paul the Apostle says, The natural person does not accept, does not welcome the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, they are foolishness to him, and he's not able to understand or know them because they are spiritually discerned. Paul is talking about people who reject God's message because they do not have God's Spirit living within them. That's what he means by the natural person. They haven't said yes to Jesus Christ. They have not accepted his offer 
of eternal life. They don't have a relationship with this one who died to make us right with God, that we could be forgiven, that we could have relationship with him and be indwelt by his spirit. So when they hear the word of God or they read it, these words inspired by the spirit of God is foolishness to them and they disregard it. Say, no, that's crazy. I don't believe that. Now, it's really important. It's really important to understand what he means by that. What he means by understand. When he says they don't understand it, he doesn't mean they don't understand the meaning of the words. Okay, if you go back and you read 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2, I encourage you to do that. He's talking here, the things of the Spirit, he's talking about the message, the truth about Jesus Christ, the gospel, this message, which is that the eternal Son of God became a man and died on a cross, this cruel, humiliating death, in order that we could be forgiven of our sin and have eternal life and relationship with God. That's the message. And by and large, the Jewish people, particularly the Jewish leadership, they thought that was scandalous. How dare you say that God became a man and died the death of a criminal? That's scandal. No. Meanwhile, the Greeks, they thought that was ridiculous, foolish. What do you mean, God become a man, die on a cross, rise from the dead? That's nuts. Notice what the problem is or was, still is. What's the problem? It's not that they didn't know what the words meant. As if, you know, when somebody preached the gospel, all they heard was blah, 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 or whatever. It's not that the message was incoherent. They understood what it meant in that sense. They just thought it was stupid. It makes no sense. They rejected it. They understood its meaning. They didn't understand its value. That's a very different thing. They didn't grasp that the message of the cross was the best news they could possibly hear. They didn't get it. That this was the message of hope and joy and peace and freedom. And the point is, without God's Spirit, you might understand what the words of the Bible mean because they're human words in human language, but without God's Spirit, you can't really believe them. You can't accept them. Embrace them as true. You can't welcome them as life-giving more valuable than gold that's what the bible says you realize if we were in our right minds if there if this if this half of the room was completely filled with gold and on that half of the room there was a bible if we were thinking right we'd go wow look at that bible more precious than much fine gold more important to you than anything else you could ever know that's a work of god's spirit 
And so there, there are people living all around us. You might even be one of them. Who it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, the gospel. But there are many other messages that are more important to you, more valuable, more precious, more worthy of building your life on. And it is only by the Spirit of God in us that we're able to read, understand the truth that He had, that God had written down in human language, to read it and go, wow, that's right. That's true. Or, ouch, that hurts. Or, that's awesome. Or, man, I need to change. Or, yeah, I don't like that, but I know it's true, and I need to deal with it. So, something we all need to ask ourselves, are you struggling to get God's message out of the Bible and into your life? I think most people would probably say, yeah, that's a struggle. Getting the message from the Bible into our lives. Okay, if that's the case... You need to ask yourself what the problem is. What is the problem? Is it a struggle to understand what it really means? If that's the case, you can overcome that. Take a step to improve your reading, your study of God's Word. Set aside good time for that. You know, if, if you're rushing to grab you know, two minutes before you race out the door, that's probably not going to do a lot for you. Got to take some time, set aside uninterrupted time. For those of you with young kids, you're going to have a hard time with that, but strive for it. Read carefully. Study carefully. Get with some others who can help. Learn how to study well. There are many good resources available. So that's one issue. If you're struggling to understand what it means, then there's lots of help. You can get that. Or is it this? Is your struggle to accept and value and obey what it says? That's a different issue. That's a different problem. That's a spiritual problem. That's a heart problem. And this is where prayer becomes all the more important. Because only God can fix a spiritual problem. So pray. Pray for His Spirit to work in your life, to give you the humility to hear His voice and value what He has said, even the parts you don't like. And if you've never yet, if you've never yet said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've never yet come to that place where you've realized that you, along with everybody else in this room, you have sinned, you have fallen short of the glory of God, that if God gave you what you deserved, it would be separation from Him forever. But now you hear this message that God loves you, that God wants a relationship with you forever. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you purpose. And it's all wrapped up in the person of Jesus who died and rose again for you. If you've never said yes to Him, if you've never received Him into your life, and said, lead me. Give me your spirit. He will. He will do that. 
And if you want to talk more about it, come and talk to me or put a note on your Connect card so you want to talk about it. I'd love to if you want to talk to somebody you came with. That's where it's got to start. It's got to start with receiving the Spirit of God in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So the, the author of the Bible, the ultimate author of the Bible, will give us a new heart that responds to his message. Pray for that. Pray as you sit down to read. I mean, we should be praying every time, not simply that we'll get what it means, but that we'll perceive its value and its importance and its significance for how we live right, right now, right today. So, here's the updated challenge. So the challenge last week was to bring it, to read it, to study it. Okay, let's, let's update a little bit. Number one, bring it regularly. Okay, number two, read it faithfully. Make it a habit. I've told people this many times, but when I was a college student and I wasn't reading my Bible, it did not happen until I said, no Bible, no breakfast. Somehow, I always managed to make time to eat. I don't know how that works, but I always managed. No matter how busy I was, how tired I was, I always managed to make time to eat. It's like, well, if I can make time to eat regular bread, I can make time to eat the bread of life. So read it faithfully. Third, study it carefully. Okay? It's literature. Some of it's poetry. Some of it's history. Some of it's proverbs. Some of it's stories you got to read it as it was written and then finally receive it prayerfully receive it prayerfully asking god's spirit to help us perceive the worth the value of his truth and to receive that and stake our lives on it So after we conclude here, we have groups and classes for everyone, and this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to do. Get God's Word out of the pages and into our lives. And you're all encouraged to uh, take part in that, or if you're in a small group, get, get with some friends. You know, this, this doesn't really work that well when you're the Lone Ranger. In fact, if you come up with a completely novel new interpretation that nobody else has ever thought of, uh, don't run with it. <laughs> Talk to some people first, okay? All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Father, when I stop and think about this truth that I take for granted so much of my life, that you have spoken and you have given us your word to give us life and hope and joy and peace, when I stop and think about that, it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning, because you didn't have to do that, but you did. And you didn't have to send your word incarnated into a person, the Lord Jesus, who did not have to die for us because of some obligation to us, but out of obedience to you, out of love for us, he did that so that we could truly know you, we could be forgiven of this wretched sin that stains us. And Lord, you've given us this truth not to make life harder or 
more painful or more difficult, but, but to give us life, to liberate us, to be the people you created us to be. Help us. Help us receive your word as good news, even the parts we don't like, and show us the, the incredible worth and value of your truth. Help us believe it, stake our lives on it, Lord. The day is coming for each one of us when what we do with your word will be more important than any other decision we've ever made. So help us. God, have mercy on us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.